Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the evolution of retail. Today, we are thrilled to turn our spotlight on today's guest, Narrative, the technology company that believes the internet and retailers are ready to move beyond price comparison and order fulfillment. And today, we are joined by Narrative's founder and CEO, Shirley Chen. Shirley, welcome to the show, and thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to be with us today. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm so excited to have you today because um, I've started t- I started talking with you guys a while back. I, gosh, it's, I think I feel like it's been about six or seven months now. I started talking to Narrative as I was doing some research for a Forbes article on just how people are basically conducting product searches in the marketplace and specifically how often they're going to Amazon and Google. So I would love to know, you know, from your perspective, there's a ton of nuance within that discussion. You know, at the top level, people are always saying, oh, 49% of the time, first product searches are conducted on Amazon. But I'd love to talk, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the nuance that's out there that maybe our listeners don't know about. So, you know, why don't we start with the obvious question, what is narrative? And maybe let's go into, you know, what you specialize in and maybe bring some of that nuance out. Awesome. Yeah. And let's start with the consumer and how search is evolving. Awesome. Right? Um, Because as a platform, we really serve the consumer first and foremost. Um, And our ultimate mission is to provide a better internet for shoppers. Um, And we've all heard the stats, right? So we definitely live in a world where um, these two giants really define e-commerce and search. So Google made it really easy to find the cheapest price. You see that across PLAs. You see that across how they arrange products. And then Amazon connected fulfillment to, to keyword search. But if you think about this at a more macro level, e-commerce only represents 10% of the trillion dollar retail economy. So there's still something missing. Like, why isn't this market bigger? Um, And that's at the heart of how consumers are evolving as well. So we see them asking for much more from search online. They're asking really personalized questions that mimic more real world scenarios. So... That's really interesting because uh, it's funny. We just did a, a, a our weekly podcast, and we were talking about how the evolution of retail really is now being kind of shaped by the difference between search and discovery, and discovery still being the purview of the physical world. So it sounds a little bit like you're saying that there's an element to that in terms of what is the internet experience in terms of you know how people can still express the joy of shopping and, and find what they're looking for in, in, in a mo- almost discoverable kind of way. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. And I think joy is at the heart of this, as well as maybe shopping is entertainment, which has never been really unlocked. Mm -hmm. Um, And fulfillment is, you know, where can I buy these headphones? How much does it cost? Both Google and Amazon definitely supply that. But queries that we're seeing in search are, you know, what's the best sound system for a 1000 square foot apartment in New York? Like, what's a comfortable, versatile dress for a wedding in May? They're, they're both very specific as well as a little blurry in terms of the actual product that could come into view. Um, and this is where like the depth, breadth, quality of expertise that consumers now expect whether they're buying online or in store is really staggering. Um, and how do brands and retailers keep up with that? And not all product categories are created equal within that context too, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? When we think about categories, I actually divide it into, um, into online and, and kind of like in-store, right? So search is, is actually very broad. So it may be called like Google it, right? That's what like online search is almost equivalent to. Mm-hmm. Um, but search is also happening in store at massive scale, right? So this is why Home Depot, Best Buy, Target, they're all investing in 
in-store experiences, training their sales associates, because these like one-on-one searches, quote unquote, or discovery um, is happening in their stores. Um, and when we think about all of the research that's been done, it's this omni-channel or like brick and mortar search, quote unquote, that's never been, uh, that's never been pieced together. Um, and I think what is important and um, changing is that um, unless these retailers are able to supply search online, they, they, um, they're very much at risk of becoming more commoditized distribution centers, right? So search for us equals research. Um, and 10 years ago, you could walk into a Best Buy and let's say you wanted a TV that was good for watching college basketball. Um, you'd ask the guy in the store, you know, uh, to make a recommendation and they're in full control from there. Um, today, you're going to start doing that search and research online. And maybe by the time you walk into the store, you already have a very shaped vision. Or um, even worse, what if you don't end up in a store because Amazon gets into your experience and they own so much of the research and commerce content online, right? Almost 70 to 80% of this. And then you become a fulfillment center. Maybe you only win because you're providing a cheaper price. Um, And I think that's what's really dangerous. Wow, that's fascinating. I've never thought about that in that context. I really like how you said that. So like, yeah, if you stop and think about it, people are searching for products all the time in stores. It's just a different method and it's a different context to the search than what's happening online. And so as the platforms play out online, that's going to change, like how, how people talk to consumers. And so the retailers have to be ready for that evolution. Fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's where we actually see publications coming in. Okay. Um, and if you think about what like Wirecutter, CNET, Allure, Good Housekeeping, wh- whatever that is, they're really just expert shoppers who wrote down their opinions, right? So they're, they're like experts in understanding and also answering questions. Um, and this category is growing so much because they're answering these questions better than Google and Amazon, right? So they're the actual subject matter experts. Um, and what narratives technology does is that we're mapping these questions and keywords in search to the content and the products being recommended so that uh, retailers can tap into this. Explain more, if you don't mind, exactly what you mean by that, too. So that, you know, go maybe go double click into it for the audience. Exactly. So when you say that that's what narrative specializes, specializes in, what exactly does that mean in layman's terms? So at our core, we are a database of products, right? So we have 60 million products um, that we've mapped. And it's not just the price, where it's sold, is it in stock or not, which is what Google and Amazon have. It's all of this qualitative expertise. So this idea that something is um, tagged as flattering or sturdy or reliable, and that's why it's being recommended. Um, And it's much more closely tied to that in-person experience that you would get, right? So if you're a consumer and you walk into uh, and you walk into a store, you can say something vague like I'm looking to buy uh, I'm looking to buy a dress for a wedding in June or like I have a work event coming up and uh, and I need uh, a suit. And the in-store sales associate would be able to say like, okay, what does that mean? And usually very qualitative words come back like, oh, I need something comfortable. Um, I need something that uh, that is flattering. Mm-hmm. Um, I need it to be versatile. And like, these are not words that have ever been mapped to products online. Retailers certainly don't know how to describe products this way. 
Um, but publishers do, right? So um, if you're Vogue, if you're Glamour, if you're Cosmo, you describe products like this all the time when you recommend them. Um, and what we're mapping is the qualitative features of products and enabling folks to tap into this and answer questions online as they would in a store. So Shirley, how do you collect that data and how are you producing this result for the consumer online? Yeah. So step one for us is just connecting you to the content itself, right? Um, and this is where Amazon comes in. Um, Amazon rolled out a, uh, a commerce program actually in its inception in 1997. Hmm. Um, and uh, today it's a $25 billion um, program for them. So you hear a lot about consumer reviews. You don't hear a lot about expert reviews, which is what this program is for them. Um, and, and the whole premise of this is like, hey, um, they actually filed a patent for this in 1997, um, kind of right after one-click checkout. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase this, but like, it's really difficult to shop online. Um, consumers cannot physically inspect goods and can't talk to salespeople. Um, so the site needs to provide product reviews, product ratings, and other information so that the consumer knows how to buy this item. Amazon realized they could never produce enough of this content on its own. It needed to have partners. So it created an affiliate program. All the publishers that are part of it essentially write about the products that Amazon sells, um, and uh, you get this depth of knowledge. Um, what's happened, though, is that actually 70% of the things that publishers are writing about are sold by other retailers. And they're often sold for a lower price um, and can provide and uh, narrative can provide the opportunity for these retailers to tap into some of the, the infrastructure that Amazon laid down. Um, and what we're doing is connecting these other retailers and brands who sell these products, who tie into this really valuable publisher content and democratizing the access to this and helping consumers also uh, find it for the best price and uh, on retailers that still have it in stock versus always being directed toward Amazon. So, wow. OK, hold on. So I want to make sure <laughs> I want to make sure I play that back for the audience because there, there's a lot there and I want to strip it down and make sure that we've got that right. So. Basically, what you're, if I heard you right, this is what you're saying, and, and I'm a writer by day at this point. Um, and there's, you know, a number of probably news outlets or whatever you want to call them that are producing, you know, reviews of different products or like, and you see them all the time. Like these are the 10 best products out there from, you know, name whoever it is. And a lot of times those products will then have links to, or those articles will then have links to products. And you're saying that 70% of the time when those types of articles are produced, those links are actually taking you to Amazon. Yeah, exactly. And it's sort of this subtle thing, right? Um, Amazon created this program. They have relationships with publishers. It's not a pay to play, which I think is super smart on their side. It's actually not an advertising program. They're not, they're not paying publishers to write about specific things. It's very much like, hey, discover the things on my site. Um, you know, it's a, it, there's a referral that's in place, but you, you the publisher, have complete control on what you want to say um, and, um, and how you want to describe it. So it's really supposed to provide value back to the consumer to help them make these shopping decisions online. Right. And I think um, as a journalist, you almost have a responsibility to that in some way. We'll, we'll stay out of that topic for, for now. But yeah, so that's fascinating. So like, even though they're so dominant in search, actually from a content perspective, in terms of what we're reading out there, in terms of this discovery-based activity, they're incredibly prevalent in terms of just the products that are being 
being served up. So so basically then you guys, I want to make sure people understand this too, if I'm hearing it right. So correct me if I'm wrong, but so then what you guys do is you go in and productize that for retailers. So you actually provide them the ability to serve up their products to those publishers in those links instead of Amazon, should they choose to do so. Is that right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And transforming this content, it's not only an acquisition channel for them that's paying off more than the performance marketing and SEM that they're doing, but it's also this very valuable data set. So you're able to think of it both as customer acquisition as well as a qualitative data set that now you can use on your own website. And this is where we see the progression, right? So um, we're really excited about the opportunities this can lock in terms of merchandising, in terms of on-site, in terms of personalization, in addition to just attacking this $25 billion market opportunity. Interesting. Well, so Shirley, how does that evolve product search in a retailer's website too? Because I think, and it maybe even give us an example of one of the retailers that you've worked with and how, how that's kind of changed what the search results look like for a consumer. Yeah, it is super fascinating. So I think retailers for a, uh, for a long time, they think of product search as SKU search. So help me find a very specific thing. Um, and then you have searches that tie more to category pages, right? So um, if, you're, uh, if you're on a retailer, you have the dress page, you have the jeans page, you have the coats page. Um, but there's nothing deeper than that because you're still just tying everything back to everything back to SKUs. So we uh, view search as two components. One, which is just the query understanding. Do I understand what you're searching for? And then two, what's being returned back? Is it just products without context? Um, and the first thing that narrative is doing is improving that query understanding. Instead of just knowing like, oh, it's a specific product you're trying to find, um, we'll let you search for things that are more uh, qualitative or uh, tied to references. So instead of just nude lipstick, you might say, nude lipstick, Meghan Markle, right? right? Because she's dominant in that space and we'll actually understand what you mean. These are products that, that, that she's using. Um, and then what's being returned back isn't just the product itself with no information, but the actual content uh, quotes, recommendations that's coming with it. So think of it as like a fully merchandised experience that's coming back. That's amazing though, because retailers can't keep up with that. Like you can't, you can enter all the product data you want right. in, the dimensions of the product, the color of it, whatever, <laughs> the names, blah, blah, blah. But like you can't get real time context in terms of how people are talking about it under the traditional method. So that's that's the Meghan Markle example, right? Am I hearing that right? So like when she's all abuzz and she like starts talking about this magazine, whatever lipstick she's using and people are writing about it, you can now put that context layer into the search? Exactly. And it is constantly changing. And we see this as supplementing what the retailers are already doing. So a lot of smart right. folks are investing in content. But when you think about depth, breadth, quality, you can maybe cover the top five or 10% of SKUs if you work really, really hard at it, but not this long tail. And that's what really tech, what that's what technology provides. Right. Yeah. You can't cover the long tail. And even, yeah, geez, even for some of the key items, like that's, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most retailers can barely keep their like photos up to date <laughs> or like warranty information, things like that. So being able to yeah, have this exactly. content is They're incredible. They're trying to keep the objective data up to date. They're trying to a lot. You see a lot of folks um, trying to compete with Amazon on breath, right? They're the everything store. We're going to add more SKUs. 
Um, but are you actually making it easier for the consumer to pick which product to buy and why they're choosing that product? Um, I think retailers need to ask, like, why are people leaving my site to go to Google? And are they going to come back? Yeah. But the battle for, you know, getting people to shop with you for what they already know they want is almost over, right? And so, you're, yeah, to your point, it's like, how do, you, how do you create a new space, a new niche around, you know, discovering products? So let's let's close on this then. I, I, fascinating, fascinating stuff. You can tell just based on kind of the, the volume of my voice how exciting I think this topic is. But what's the origin story here? You know, Shirley, how did you founder CEO? Like, how did this all start for you? Why was why was this the space? You said, you know what? I'm going to go into this and put context around search. What? what why, why was that? Yeah. So I have this editorial plus merchandising background. So I've uh, spent my college years interning at Vogue. Um, and then I went to McKenzie and did a lot of retail work and ran marketing at a company called Moto Operandi. So e-commerce retailer, we grew from four to 45 million in revenue within you know two years. They're now doing like 250, 300, something like that. Um, and um, at the core of this, I always knew that qualitative data and content made it easier for consumers to shop. Um, and um, that's why these publications exist, right? And the digital world kind of changed that. Um, and I think what you see is that in, in luxury brands, in direct-to-consumer, there's a much bigger investment in content. And it was very manual, right? And we had to make the unit economics work. Um, but when we produced this content and we used it in our site, in our newsletters, in our landing pages, category pages, our conversion rate would be two to three times bigger than when we just offered the products with no information. So that's why it was worth investment. Um, and um, when I started um, at Moda was partnerships with larger uh, publishers to be able to create this at scale and to be able to connect to the content that they were already uh, publishing about our products um, and to send them back to uh, back to Moda. Um, so narrative is really a, um, a larger scale application of that. And we want to make it accessible to all retailers. You know, if you have 15 million SKUs, you should be able to access this and get the same level of content as a consumer than if you're just going to a direct to consumer site with five SKUs. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the passion behind um, making, the, making the experience better for the, for the shopper and for the consumer. So what's next for you guys? Where, where, if people want to learn more about narrative, where do they go? Um, tell us kind of what, what you're, what's next for you. Yeah, so you can find us on Twitter. We're at Hello Narrative. Uh, or uh, my email is chen at narrative.com. Um, and we have a lot of exciting product launches uh, in the year ahead. So we've been really focused. We're, we're a 35-person uh, a team here in uh, New York. But we've been really focused on transforming this publishing space. And what's next is bringing this into the retail context and into omni-channel, into search and on-site, so that these content and expertise experiences can truly be found everywhere the shopper is looking. Hmm. One last question I've, I'm dying to ask you based on this entire conversation. There's been a lot of buzz recently about Instagram and Instagram shopping. How does everything we're talking about, like if you were kind of putting on your forecasting hat or your predictive hat, how does everything we're talking about play in with the kind of the idea of social commerce and more commerce being conducted through platforms like that over time? Yeah, so we're very much of the perspective that um, the internet should be open and distributed. Okay. Um, 
I think that um, for Instagram, definitely the right move, right? You, it's been kind of, I think, the roadmap for them um, since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think there are a lot of smart things they're doing, right? So even if you think about how a feed streams on Instagram, um, it's not one query that's happening. Meaning if you type something on Amazon and press search, and if you type something on Google and press search, there's one result that's coming back, as in it's page one, page two, page three. Right. And if you want to change your search, you have to type in something else. Um, With Instagram, if you're looking at a feed and you like something and then you scroll down again, they're literally requerying. It's like, I like this, therefore, next query, maybe you combine two things together and then maybe you combine three things together. And that's much more like how people have conversations in a physical experience, right? So you're taking input after input after input and then changing, quote unquote, how you search and return. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's super powerful because it marries um, this idea of having a conversation and doing multiple searches that refine and then get you to an outcome versus like this single process that is happening on uh, on Google and uh, Amazon today. Um, I think there's a lot that retailers can learn from that experience as well. That was awesome. I'm so <laughs> glad I asked that question. Normally, I don't ask another question after, uh, you know, at that stage in the interview, but I just felt compelled to do it. And I hope the audience just stops for a second and the li- who's ever listening out there and just really let w- what Shirley just said sink in because that is pretty powerful in terms of how this whole thing is going to change and evolve. So, Man, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Again, founder and CEO of Narrative, Shirley Chen. Thanks for a wonderful interview. Um, I hope you're coming back again at some point in time because I think this space is going to continue to stay hot. It's going to continue to evolve. And I can tell you guys are on the cutting edge of thinking about exactly how that's going to happen. So thank you so much. And to our audience and our listeners out there, be careful out there.